So I want to begin this morning with a reminder that our gospel is a part of a greater sermon that Jesus gives that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And I wanted to remind you of this this morning because uh, it's important to remember that this section of verses in front of us is uh, not generally heard by itself, right? These verses we heard this morning are a part of the larger Sermon on the Mount. It makes us uh, makes two more chapters in the Gospel of Matthew is the whole sermon. And while it makes sense for us as a congregation to split it up into smaller parts, they can, after a few weeks, tend to feel a little disconnected from where we began. So I want to just take us back just a few weeks for a second and remind us that we started this Sermon on the Mountain with the Beatitudes, the blessings, the reminder of where God is and who God seeks and what side God is on. And then last week we were reminded we are a part of this community of heaven too, that we are sent out into the world to be salt and light, to heighten the flavor and illuminate the kingdom of heaven. And then today's verses find us widening the scope of expectation, not just of who God includes, but what our role as a community is within the kingdom of God. Jesus begins today by asking those listening and us in turn to consider that within the community of God, there is accountability to each other for the sake of that community. Our individual actions matter. Today's verses also begin a fun, for me, maybe just interesting for you, rhetorical device that Jesus uses for the rest of chapter 5. It's called an antithetical rhetoric. You will not be tested on this later, but fellow word nerds will appreciate, like me, that, that this is a, an interesting device Jesus uses. He says, you have heard it said, but I say. That is the rhetorical device. It is in 21 and 22, those two verses we heard today, but it will happen five more times in the next 10 verses of Matthew's fifth chapter. So it's important to kind of note what Jesus is trying to do with this device. It is not used as a replacement. It's not like Jesus is saying, you've heard it said, but I'm saying something new or different. Jesus is intensifying what he is saying. So he says, uh, you shall not murder is what you've heard it said, but I say, and then he adds a bunch of stuff to it. It's a way for Jesus to push back against the letter of the law thinking that so many people found themselves kind of stuck in. So Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not murder or you will be held accountable. And we say, yes, that makes sense. And then Jesus says, but I say, if you are angry with someone or if you insult someone or if you call someone a fool, then you will be held to the same account. A little, a little uncomfortable for most of us, right? I called someone a fool twice this morning already. So it's pretty easy to look at that fifth commandment, which Jesus is talking about, right? You shall not murder and think, yeah, easy. I can, I can do that one. No problem. Check that off. But Jesus closes a loophole here. He says, you know, it's not enough to just not kill someone. Those of you who have maybe recently studied Luther's small catechism or have it stored in your memories from confirmation days of the past, you might remember that in his explanation of the fifth commandment, Luther said this very thing. He said, you shall not kill. What does this mean? It means we are to fear and love God so we do not hurt our neighbor in any way, but help them in all their physical needs. We hold up murder as maybe the worst of sin. And then Jesus brings it down to a level that most of us reach, I'd say, daily, right? 
Not killing someone is the actual least we can do here. And Jesus also, knowing that this is not the normal order of things, takes the next handful of verses to expand on what that might mean for daily life. He says, when, when you're coming to church, about to come to the altar, and you remember a conflict you're having with somebody, take a pause, go be reconciled with that person first, and then come forward. Also, if you're heading to court with someone, which in that time meant you're needing mediation or intervention in a conflict, be reconciled before you get to the judge. Isn't that better than letting the judge decide and going to jail? So according to Jesus, in this section of his sermon, the opposite of murder, of killing someone in word or in action, is not just doing nothing or pretending nothing happened or saying it's fine, everything's fine, like we tend to do. It's not even about getting even. It's about reconciliation. Now, judgment in response for murder makes sense, right? It makes sense to all of us. But judgment for calling someone an idiot, judgment for being mad at someone, judgment in those moments feels, oof, uncomfortable, right? Aren't we all then in a little bit of trouble here? And I think that might actually be the point. As Pastor Chad reminded us last week, Jesus always sets the bar too high and then does all the bar clearing for us. The Deuteronomy text today is purposefully paired with this gospel because when it comes to our neighbor, we always have a choice of how we act. We can choose life or death. We can choose prosperity or adversity, not just for ourselves, but for them. That's what this text ultimately ends up being about. It's not about us, it's about our neighbor. We hear, do not murder, and we think, yeah, I can do that, no problem. And then we go out and we gossip and we work against each other and we put each other down. Jesus this morning says, close that loophole. Choose love. Don't know how to treat your neighbor? Choose love. Choose life. And we like to say, you know, but who's my neighbor, right? Like, who really is my neighbor? It's probably Chad and Christy who are my actual neighbors. Um, I'm sure that means those people who live next door to me. It definitely wouldn't mean, like, Syrian refugees fleeing violence or children separated from their families at our borders. Not those neighbors, just the actual physical neighbor that I kind of know and hang out with sometimes. We are loophole finders. We enjoy finding a way around the rules that Jesus sets in front of us. But Jesus is a loophole closer. There is no getting around the reality that our actions matter. But they don't matter for us. They matter for the people in the community with us. You have heard it said, your neighbor is whoever lives next door to you. But Jesus says, your neighbor is anyone who is not you. This antithetical rhetoric, I find it fascinating because we have a lot of you have heard it said in our world today. Just listen for it. You'll hear it regularly. And while Jesus takes time to talk about issues that were prevalent in this day in the verses that follow, there is a theme that emerges when you read these. It's a theme of lifting up the humanity of all people, of women, of people who are marginalized, people who have been told they weren't enough, and that 
theme stays strong throughout the rest of Matthew's gospel, the whole thing. The way we treat people matters to the community as a whole. And we don't do this right action for the sake of our own blessing, right? We don't do it so that we are blessed or so that we can be salt or so that we can be light. We do that because we are blessed, because we are salt, because we are light. It has already been named as true. It has already been declared so. So how do we do this reconciliation thing? After uh, apartheid was dismantled in South Africa, um, in 1994, Archbishop Desmond Tutu was appointed to be the chair of the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And there had been just generations of human rights violations in South Africa, and this commission was created and set so that victims could be heard, and they could give testimony, and they could receive reparations. It was also an equal part of this commission that perpetrators of the violence would confess. They could request amnesty for the crimes they had committed, and they would offer those reparations. But here's the thing, they could not receive amnesty without confessing. Archbishop Tutu reflected that if this pairing of truth with reconciliation had not been the way they decided to go, that South Africa would be in ashes today. The TRC operated in a philosophy that some of you may have heard of before. It's a word called Ubuntu. And it has been misused often in our culture and mis, uh, kind of misappropriated as well, I would say. But the word roughly means humanness. And it has been used as a way to kind of understand that we are all connected and that our shared humanity just cannot be ignored. One of the ways this has been misunderstood is people have said this word means I am because we are. And I confess this is also how I had understood this word before this week. But Ubuntu, at its deepest and most true meaning, is about how we relate to each other as community. How we relate to each other communally. Do you create community or do you hurt community? Archbishop Tutu himself said that when you want to give someone a compliment, you tell them they have a lot of Ubuntu. The more we connect in this way to each other, the more we have. And this is sort of opposite of our way of living, right? We separate ourselves, we build fences and walls, and we fence in our backyards, and we drive right into our garages so you don't have to walk and see anybody, right? You're just in and out. You never have to interact with people. We like to insulate ourselves. Our connection and our ability to create and grow connection to each other is what Jesus is talking about today. And I know that this part of Matthew's gospel feels a lot like the law. It does. It feels brutal. Right? I ended our reading this morning by saying, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. And then that was that, right? I sat down and we all felt like, wow, that didn't feel like good news in that moment, right? Remember, this is a part of the larger Sermon on the Mountain, and we've already heard most of the important gospel good news the weeks before this. The kingdom of God is already here. You are in it. There is a place for you. You matter. You are blessed. You are salt. You are light. You are included and loved. Nothing changes that. 
but also your actions and your words and the way you treat each other, that matters too. It matters to those who are also here and to those who are not here yet. It's why it matters that Jesus says this morning the words in front of us. It matters because we are always looking for loopholes that make us feel better or put us higher than someone else or that remove our responsibility for the health and wellness of our neighbor. But Jesus closes loopholes. And he reminds us today that our relationships to each other matter to the community that we are a part of and we cannot escape it or ignore it or pretend that's not a reality. And being a part of a community means that part of our work with each other is reconciliation. We can't escape or ignore that either. Are you in conflict? Fix it before you come forward. In the Coptic church, it is a requirement of worship that if someone is in conflict with someone else in the community, they fully stop worship and they make them come forward and they deal with it out loud and then they come forward for communion. Yeah, don't you want, everybody's uncomfortable like, please, Natalia, don't do that today. Oh my gosh. Uh, No, we're not going to do exactly that, right? Because you're all looking at the doors like, get me out of here. I don't want to do this. But it it seems wild to fully stop worship and work on the conflict among us. But in some kind of ways, we actually do this here. Just as Tutu believed reconciliation was not possible unless there was truth, every week we confessed the ways we fall short, how we hurt each other, And then we are offered amnesty, and we are reconciled to God and each other. Now, I know today we've confessed already. We've already done the confession thing, but sometimes we tend to just mumble it along on the screens. We don't really think about what we're saying, so I'm going to have us do it again. And then we're going to pass the peace, which we do not very often here, but sometimes. And this is how I'd like to consider our reconciliation with each other today. When you say peace be with you to someone, you have to look them in the eyes and say it. Now, I know it's flu season, so no need to shake hands with everybody if you don't feel like it. If you've been sick, don't take offense if somebody's like, I'm going to keep my hands here. They're protecting you, probably. But you can bump elbows or give a wave or just speak. But you say the words when you look into their eyes and say, peace be with you. It is our way of saying, I see you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. We're in this together. And then we come forward to the table and we're fed together as a community of faith that has been reconciled to God and to one another. And that is good news. So if we've been declared to be a part of this kingdom of God, we've been told we are salt and we are light and we are sent to go out into the world to illuminate and heighten the flavors that are already there, then one of the ways we do that is by being reconcilers. And that is a hard ask. But I'm going to ask it of you this morning. I, I know that when you think of Conflict, everybody has a person they have in their head right now. I know you all do. I know you have it. A person that you are in conflict with that that causes some strife for you. And so I'm going to issue a challenge. 
is to try at some point this week to reach out and to reconcile. That is so hard. It is so, so hard. And it's not, it's not a requirement, right? It is not a requirement. God's not going to be like, oh, you didn't reconcile. I don't love you anymore. That's not how this works. But it does change the community when we become a group of people who are active reconcilers in the world, in a world that's doing the opposite all the time, to be different. I was a part of a small worshiping community once that, uh, that gave everybody a $5 caribou card, which I just want to say that that's not happening today, just to be very clear. Um, but they gave everybody in the room a $5 caribou card and said, go take somebody out for coffee and reconcile. And it was, it was such a thing to have in your hands to be like, oh, I have to go do this thing. Uh, and the person that called me, uh, it changed our relationship and it actually changed our community of friends who knew that we were in conflict. So I, I would challenge you to try it. It's not easy. If it's not a good time for you, fine. God loves you. You are included as well. But it does something. It does something when we become people who reconcile. So it's hard, but I think you can do it. So today we go fed, forgiven, reconciled, and now we're sent. We're sent into the world to go in peace and love and serve the Lord. Thank you.